I don't know why, but this month, maybe it's because it's Thanksgiving. But I have to bob my head to this one a little bit. When the bass kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to the Benton Talk Podcast. Which episode is this, Papa Chris? 24? 24. Ooh. It is kind of amazing, though. We've been doing this for three years since... It was right after we completed our CCUP. Mm-hmm. And we started this. <laughs> but we have 24 episodes. <laughs> yeah, consistency has not been our strong suit. Uh, as to pumping out the podcast. But... But... but I it's okay. It's our, okay. The quality is very good. Yes. The quality's the, gotten better, too. Yes, it has. And, and, and you know what? I mean, Papa Chris, I give all kudos to you. Because at first, we were like in the trailer behind CO. Mm-hmm. And... And I don't quite remember, like, all the equipment we had, but, like, slowly but surely, we've invested in microphones and switchboards and switchboards. Yeah, we've been we've been adding equipment, getting yeah. the capabilities of having more microphones as opposed yeah. to sharing microphones, yes. which allowed us in yeah. turn to have guests yeah. and uh, other, other nice amenities such as that. So yeah, yeah, that's great. So we do not have our superintendent, the superintendent among superintendents, El Jefe himself, we do not have them with us today as this episode, it won't be much talking from myself or Chris, but we have a two-part podcast. Two-part podcast. First time in Benton Talk history. First time setting records. Yeah. As always, subscribe to the Benton Talk podcast, it's Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. So we had, so our guest is Darian Cockrell, who during our professional development day was our keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't make it in person, so we had his interview via Google Meet. Correct. We had his um, via Google Meet. And the conversation was so organic and so rich, we ended up speaking for an hour. And so I told Chris afterwards, we've got to turn it into a two-parter. And that conversation probably could have gone on longer than oh, an hour had I not uh, un- yes. un- turned off my or turned my uh, yeah. camera back on. A hundred percent. So Chris turns his camera off and we're just talking and I'm losing track of time. It's very obvious that Darian's losing track of time. And when I, <laughs> I think you will hear it in part two. As when Chris comes on, I know. Okay. We're, <laughs> we're going long. And I felt so bad because the conversation is, it was just utterly enthralling and you it guys was had really a cool connection. man. It reminded me a lot. Are you familiar with the movie Step Brothers? Uh, is that the Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell and John I have, C. Riley. I have not seen it. So there's there's a moment in the movie. So people who have, are listening understand this reference. Yeah. You probably won't, unfortunately, since That's you haven't okay. seen it. But I've already okay. gotten this deep into it, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> keep going. There's a moment where in the, in the movie where John C. Riley asks Will Ferrell, or sorry, the other way around, Will Ferrell asks John C. Riley, "Did we just become best friends?" Yeah. John C. Riley replies, "Yep." <laughs> and I felt like there was, I mean, I don't want to speak too much to your guys' relationship because right, it was one, right. it was one one-hour conversation. Correct. But you could tell that you guys had a real 100%. connection based upon your your upbringing, your background, yeah. 
And it was very, for me, just being a fly in the wall, the conversation was very enthralling. So I hope that our listeners get the same thing I, I do that too. I did. You know, the one thing that I gravitated toward was one, I mean, this young man's perseverance. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give it all away because I think he will be able to tell his own story when you listen to part one and part two. But I could identify with the perseverance. But I even said it probably, it'll probably be in part two where I could identify growing up in St. Louis City. I can't identify with gangs and violence. I I cannot identify with being in an all-boys home. I cannot mm-hmm. identify with having my home life in shambles, right? And so it I I became so curious the more I spoke with him and the more he talked because here I'm looking at the Missouri teacher of the year who still is battling, you know, some level of insecurity about him. He talks about his masters and all those things. And, and this young man has come a long, long way. He's come a long way. And um, it was a breath of fresh air to, to, to go in depth with him. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things I really took out of the conversation of a lot of the things that you guys kind of touched upon, but was the idea of, I don't know if the grinds is the right term, but the idea of like constantly not feeling successful, I suppose. Yeah, like yeah. you guys are always like, yeah, like, like he's the Missouri teacher of the Correct. year. You're, you're a doctor yeah. uh, with the associate superintendent of a school district. And you guys are just like, no, I, I have, I'm, I'm not there yet. I had, yeah, you're it, never, I think that's something that never leaves you. Yeah. I think it's one of those deals like nature or nurture, right? So you only know what you know in life. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. You only know what you know. So, you know, I think I really can't speak for him, but just my takeaway like yours, you, I think he always sees himself as a kid who was kind of like up and down and in shambles, and he's achieved this great success um, and will continue to be successful. But when he closes his eyes, like I do, when I close my eyes, I still think I'm the chubby kid living in St. Louis City, mm-hmm. right? I don't see the doctor and, you know, living in Wentzville and titles. I, I, I know it might sound hard to believe, but I really don't. And I don't know why. I, I always see the chubby kid, 5100 Lotus, City of St. Louis, high top fade, outside playing basketball out there. You had a high top fade? I did. I need to see this picture. Plenty. <laughs> I'd love plenty. to see that. Yeah. So with all of that being said, thank you, Papa Chris, Papa Chris, for helping me set this up. I hope you enjoy part one of my interview with Darian Cockrell, the Missouri 2021 Missouri Teacher of the Year. It is an absolute honor to have Darion Cockrell here with us. 2021 Missouri Teacher of the Year. Man, that is incredible. I mean, you know, it's like, you know what I think about, Darion? It's like, there are various NPs, right? I mean, that's saying you're the number one in the whole state. That's the whole state. I know. Is, man, what does that feel like? The number one teacher to say, Missouri teacher of the year. What does that feel like? Extremely overwhelming. <laughs> I, I mean, extremely overwhelming because it's like, you know, I know so many incredible educators, even right. just within my building at my school. So, you know, even when I just won within my school, I was just like, oh, this is huge. You know what I uh-huh. mean? And for me, 
I even feel like that was more important to me than winning Missouri teach you there because those are the people who truly know me. Correct. Right. Truly right, right, right. see what I do day in and day out with the students within the community. So that just meant so much for me to win within my uh, school. And then to win district and then along, you know, state when I want state teacher of the year, you know, kind of going through the whole project or uh, progress between, you know, regional teacher of the year and all this stuff. Correct. Finalists, Correct. And seeing all the other educators, I'm literally at these banquets, like literally my wife's like, oh, this person's going to win. This yeah, person's going to yeah. win. Not me. She ain't talking about me. She pointing <laughs> to the other people. But I'm doing the same thing because I'm like looking at their longevity, all the amazing things they've done. I'm like in awe listening to them speak. And the whole time, you know, I'm not a public speaker. This is before right. I start speaking. So I'm right. like, I'm like, I don't want to win because I just don't want to speak because I don't do that. Uh -huh. I don't know right. how to do that. But, you know, you know, it's crazy now when I speak, it's like, I don't want to say I black out, but it's just like, it's an the Lord experience. just speaks through me. Yes, absolutely. Yes. It's just, you know, I plan on what I want to say, but sometimes it doesn't even go the way I plan. No, it just totally whatever agree. comes out, you know what I mean? So it's 100%. it's been a blessing, man. But, you know, even though I'm, you know, I won Missouri Teacher of the Year, I still don't believe I'm the best teacher. I think I'm just really right. good at just making connections and yeah. just building up that, you know, bridging that gap between the school and the community, man. It's just, it's been a pleasure, though. You know, it's interesting because... You know, I've heard you twice. I heard you speak at our at the PBS summit that was down at the lake. I believe that was last April or something. Uh -huh. And now I heard you at our professional development day. And people gravitate towards your message. What has that been like oh, with not only being named the team of the state, but then, you know, it's, it, it, it might sound odd to say, but everything that comes along with it, the request, and now you're more visible and people know you more, they're requesting. What, what has that, that been like? Uh, it's been so humbling. I think for me, it's really, really allowed me to understand the power of vulnerability. And I yeah. think a lot of times in life, people get so consumed and so afraid to be themselves and be authentic but i think my yeah. authenticity is what draws people towards right me. my so abilities true. my ability just to be me you know tell my life story but also do it in a way where other people can you know relate and understand and it can yeah. hopefully bring out the best in other people and it's so yeah. crazy because i don't care you know what background you know what race what no matter what i've had people from all walks of life because I've mm -hmm. been speaking for all types of different genres of you sure. know life and professions, and everyone's found something to relate to. And to me, that's just so powerful. And it just reminds me, you know, how you can humanize education in a way to help everyone relate, connect, and understand and just be better. Right, right. Obviously, for our school district here, we gotta give a huge shout because I didn't know this, because obviously it wasn't mentioning at the PBIS conference. However, you came here, you actually worked in our district. Yes. Tell us I, about, I mean, tell tell, tell the, the, the folks, tell the SESD family about that, because, I mean, in some ways we had a little space in you, you know, reaching your goals and, and, and helping with that. So, so tell us about that. Man, you, you guys most definitely did. So, you know, it's one of those things where I hate to say that I completely forgot about you guys because yeah. I never did. But it's like there was a time in my life when I was still in college. I was trying to graduate. I was still trying to figure things out. I knew I wanted to be an educator. I was going to school to finish my education degree, but I was still just struggling, trying to, you know, find just find where I am in this world, really. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, fortunately for me, it was like a full circle thing because Miss Haneke, 
who was my sixth grade counselor. She was a counselor at the time at Jefferson Intermediate. And she okay. knew I was trying to just get my foot in the door. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I and do. she told me, she was like, you know, there's an opportunity if you want to be a para. And I, I'm like, I didn't know what a para was. I've never, you know, but, you know, through the grace of God, uh, I got the interview. I got the job there. And it, you know, now working with Paris, it, it mm -hmm. makes me appreciate Paris so much more and understand, you know, just the ins and outs and all the little things that sometimes teachers who have not had those opportunities to have those other jobs within a school. You uh -huh. know what I mean? It's like, I just understand the importance of every role every yeah. role so right professionals right. you know custodians nurse bus drivers you know just you know the pta like everyone plays such a crucial role but going back to my opportunity and my job at um jefferson intermediate even uh one of the pe teachers there i was just talking to her when i was down there and i was like yeah she was like wait you were the one working here when i was the um <laughs> you know she did the uh what do you call it the um uh, what do you call the PE teachers that work with the kids with the special needs? Um, adaptive PE. Adaptive PE teacher. I was adaptive like, yes, PE. I remember because I was in the class with you guys. And I was just like, man, this lady is so cool. You know, I wouldn't be able to, you know, do my classroom the way that she does. And she was so confident and she just engaged the kids so well. But my experience at their school, you know, between the educators, the admin, uh, just to help the support. I mean, it was so, so good. And I think yeah. it was so crucial to my development because like I said, I just had a better appreciation because that's my first time like being Step in a role, where, stepping into a role like that and where yeah. I almost felt like I I'm an educator. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. I think being a parent, it just provided me the opportunity not to only, you know, BMPE with the kids, which is what I wanted to do, but also read to kids and see kids in, in different um different areas of content throughout the day and now it's just like like i said as a pe teacher i feel like i've had the unique opportunity to be in so many different roles within the school it's helped me you know figure out how to reach engage and better prepare these students and have a respect not only for my class but for all the different classes mm -hmm. you know so as you guys help me with that so I no no it. that's what's up man i mean you know well, I will say though that our district does do a good job of discovering talent, though. But to actually say that and, and yeah, in the lineage in the <laughs> in the of the city of St. Charles, yeah, the Missouri Teacher of the Year. No, that's something to be proud of. And, and, yeah. and certainly, the experience was fruitful enough for you to continue, right? For you to yes, continue path of getting your certification and and obviously getting a, a classroom of your own and then pursuing yes. your regard the one thing that's so compelling about you is your story and i think when you talk about authenticity a huge piece of that authenticity is that you don't deviate how you've gotten to the point and you also don't deviate who you are today i think what really stood out to me both times actually is you're working on your masters right and, yes. you, <laughs> and you talk about how that you know you're you don't feel like you're a good student and you're working on this master's degree. And, and it's just, a, it, it's obviously it's very important for you to finish for a variety yes. of reasons, but, um, but you talk about sort of your struggles with that and how you still wrestle with some of those self doubts, although you're getting a lot of admiration. So your story is so compelling. And if you don't mind, I would love you to, you know, tell our SESD family, you know, how you got to this point. Um, from teaching all the way back from what I've learned about you, the boys' home, and just it's a phenomenal and, and, and just to have you here and, 
and you know you have a platform obviously yeah. public education space like, like like talk to us about that man it's just i i i'm still in awe it's just crazy uh-huh. man you know sometimes i wake up and i'm like what were these people thinking making me missouri teacher of the year you know what i mean and it's one like of you those tricked things. them or something yeah like, seriously but it's like you know i think back to my struggles and all the things i had to overcome and the hurdles and you know just all the pit stops and there are times in my life you know dark dark times in my life when i was just like begging god like why are you doing this to me like why mm-hmm. are these things happening and i am so blessed that all those things happen and I made it out through the other side because I think, you know, I believe now that he was just preparing me for my journey now. And I sure. think, you know, getting through those tough times and figuring myself out has allowed me the opportunity to better connect with my students and the different mm-hmm. trials and tribulations they go through. Uh, sure. I'm just so appreciative of just the journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times you know, all these people have these journeys. We all have these different stories. And it's just, you know, the connections that you make with people on the way, like even just a little thing, how like, you know, I know Dr. Jones, you know, Dr. Yeah, Jones. Yeah, 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 I reached correct. out to you. I was trying to come observe when you, you know, all those little things. So right. just those connections and just using those different connections just to better yourself. You know, there's been mm-hmm. different times in my life where I've had friends and even family members who've had opportunities as good, if not greater than mine, but they didn't have the mindset to take advantage of those things. And I think through the connections that I've made with people, uh, the good experiences and the bad experiences, I've been able to, you know, make enough good decisions to get to the point where I am today. I mean, Uh I am not perfect by any means and I make bad decisions every day, but I try my best to be better than I was yesterday. And that's one of the things I try to instill in my students and some of my coworkers, because, you know, we're not perfect. We are all the most perfect, imperfect people, but it's like understanding that and knowing that, you know, it's okay to not be perfect and just learn from those mistakes and just build on those things. That's why, you know, my first couple of years as an educator, I was so hard on myself because I felt like I had to be perfect and I don't want to make a fool of myself in front of my students. But I did learn that, you know, when I do make mistakes and my students see that it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of their shoulders because they feel like, well, if Mr. DC can make mistakes, and still have a great class, then I don't have to be perfect. And they see this man who was so, you know, imperfect, and he won Missouri Teacher of the Year, despite all the trials and tribulations he's gone through. Right. And it's so weird because a lot of my students are like, Mr. DC, I've seen a YouTube thing about your life. And sometimes <laughs> I play dumb, I'm like, oh no, that's not me, that's some other guy. But they just know me as this happy-go-lucky, you know, right. a silly teacher that just loves them and tries his best to, you know, bring the best out of them every day. But then when they see all the stuff that I went through, they still don't understand, like, how this, who, I don't understand how you're like, how are you so nice and so loving and caring when you went through such a traumatic experience? Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, when you come from a place like that and things were so hard and so challenging, it makes you appreciate every little thing no matter how small and insignificant it might be to some people and that's why you know when people are like you know how's your day going i'm like i am so blessed one i am alive two i have a job that i love three i have a family i can't complain i don't trip off of playing time i don't i don't trip (laughs) off of mistakes there's so many like let's keep it 100 there's so many teachers you can they can miss one minute of their playing time and it completely changed their whole week and it's like look at the bigger picture right you gotta look at the bigger picture and i think that's one thing that 
through my experience, I've been able to do most of the time is see the bigger picture about things. You know what I mean? And I think it's yeah. allowed me to just to have a clear picture of where I want to go in life and how I want to get there and the different steps I need to make sure that I'm taking each day. Absolutely. And that that perspective and talking about, you know, you've gone through so much and you have, and I've had the luxury of hearing, I'm going to honestly say about four times because I went to both of your breakout sessions, but I've, I've heard you in both of your keynotes. And so, but where did you come from? So, I mean, I was born and raised uh, in the city of St. Louis, man. I mean, uh, the first, like, if I if I think all the way back, the first street that I remember living yeah. on um, was uh, Page. So, like, pretty much Page mm-hmm. and Union right there. You know, I grew up off Union, Union and Kings Highway, so. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> bro. 5100 Lotus, man. Like, I, so, that's why. I so, right there off of Page, there used to be a yeah. uh, store right there called Pete's. Uh, there was a yeah. corner store up the street. Oh, there was a barber shop. There was uh, what was those? Uh, what was that? Uh, I think Sodan. It was like Clark. All those different schools. Oh, that's right that's there. my old stomping grounds. Yes, stomping yes, grounds, man. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, we end up moving. So when my dad passed, we moved from there with my aunt and my grandmother to um, Clara, and Clara is over there by like closer to the Bolivar. Not too far from Union, but up the street. So you're going down okay. Dale Mar, and then yeah. if you make it okay. right on Clara, and then the next street's the Bolivar. Got and it. Then okay. That's my earliest. Uh, I, that's that's when I can remember when I was going to elementary school because okay. at the time I don't know if I can say this, but the name of the school was called Mitchell School, and it was okay. right there. It was right there off of Clara, and I forgot what the other street was, but it was not a good experience uh-huh. i now know as an educator you know what those teachers were probably going through absolutely yeah they didn't have the yeah. tools and the resources and everything that they needed to do their jobs to the best of their ability right. so who am i now you know as an educator as an adult someone more mature and understanding to be upset with how my experience was because they they didn't they didn't have the support and the help right they to be there for me and uh i think having that experience now allows me to be there for my students but you know just you know just growing up in the city of st louis man in that area at the time you know when i think back now i know how bad it was but <laughs> it was it didn't really did it feel as bad as it, it like that's how i feel about when i grew up in so, st louis but but it's like when i think back there were a lot of things i remember that was so fun you know playing in the park playing football you know running around the neighborhood yeah. You know, just being out in the streets and stuff, and not out in the streets like doing bad things, but no, just I know. being a kid. You know, uh-huh. back in the day when people joked like, "When that was light, when that light come on, you gotta come in the house." I mean, about that was oh, us. on the front porch, Lynn, Marion, yep. Patrick, like we, we uh-huh. running back. <laughs> like, yes, sir. It's so crazy to say those were the good old days, but now as an adult, I can just only remember how bad it was because I recognize the difference between how life could have been how life yes, should have been and how it was you know what i mean I like million percent i think when you live in that bubble and you don't know anything else how what do you compare it to nothing you got nothing exactly. to compare it to nothing yes. you know in my first my first recognition of there's a difference because i grew up in st louis off union and king's highway and at that time i was going to martin luther king middle which now but it used to be Imagine Academy. So it's right there on Kings Highway, um, B 
big, big brick building. And I remember my dad made the decision for, I have a twin brother and a sister. He wanted us to go to Clayton and he wanted us to go to Whiteow Middle. My dad worked in Clayton at a, at a bakery and they didn't have any space in the DSEC program. So he chose Rockwood, had never heard of the school district. And I remember when the new families or the new students that were going to Crestview took a trip to West County. And I thought to myself, it's the first time I had ever been there. Holy moly, this is different than where I live, man. It was like, wow, this is bananas. I, I couldn't believe the, like, the ambiance of the community, the, the buildings and the homes and the, the cut grass. And then, so that's just right, riding out there on this bus. Yes. Because they picked up all the, the, the families, the parents and the kids and, and, and drove us out there. But then when I got to Crestview, man, it was nothing like Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King was just one building. And Crestview Middle School had these various buildings. They used to be. Uh -huh. It was. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was something totally different. Totally different. That's, I mean, that was my experience too. I'll never forget being in the car with my auntie and my grandma and uh, my cousins, and we drove from the city out to Parkway. We went to High Cross, mm. Elementary, High Cross mm. Elementary to visit the school. We got lost. Yeah. We on back streets. <laughs> now, you know, living out here and going down those same streets, I'm like, how did we get lost? What do we have to do? But we didn't yes. know. Yeah, we out, right. like, we scared. We like, my auntie probably, her tags probably expired. We don't know. She got a light that ain't working. We out in the county. We're like, man, we... <laughs> it was a completely different mindset. You know what right, I mean? Right. It's, oh, it's crazy, man. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. So you you spent, you, I think probably what's more captivating about your story is just like, we, we some of the things that our kids experience today, are some of the very things that you went through. I mean, it's really, really, really tough circumstances being placed in a home and and some of those just talk to me about that. Like, how, how did you get to, to being in a boy's home to graduating from Parkway Central, correct? And going through those things. So, you know, when I was in middle school, um, this was an extremely pivotal time in my life because I was getting older. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, I was, you know, diving and diving into stuff that was way more serious. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I was in sixth grade, that was my first time actually playing organized sports. We start, we had, we created a basketball team. And the reason this basketball team started was because my counselor knew that myself and other kids who came from the uh, city, we needed something to engage us and something as a deterrent that's going to keep us, you know, more engaged and focused on our grace because otherwise sure. we're like we don't really care for it we just we're just here yeah. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and uh, so she created this basketball team so then we started doing better in our classrooms and we you know because we, we wanted to play basketball because we all yeah. love sports but when i was in seventh grade my brother had he was in eighth grade he had just got kicked out of school for selling drugs on a on a field trip he was selling weed mm -hmm. selling marijuana and one of the kids um told on him and then when I found out what the kid was, this 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 is my mindset back in the day because I'm right, so right, mad. right, right. And I'm so I am so glad that the that I got caught, but I brought a lock to school. Mm -hmm. I put it inside of a sock, 
And then I put it in my locker. And then I found the kid, I found the white dude who snitched on my brother. I was like, bro, yeah, like, wait till I see you out the school. And then he told, and then I guess somebody else, I think one of my friends, to be honest with you, told the counselor, Miss Hunnicky, that I had this lock in my, uh, this lock inside of a sock in my locker. And then Officer Tom, who was my, uh, who was our officer at the time, right. he's like, He's like, Darion, you got to take me to your locker. And I took him to my locker and they, you know, pulled it out. And they were like, what are you going to do with this? And I told him, I'm like, you know, Pat, he told on Lynn and, you know, I got my brother ain't here no more. And I'm mad about it. So I got to defend my brother. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. crazy because I was leading to more towards down that path, you know, doing what right, we have to right. do to survive in our in our neighborhood. It was one of those things. It was a weird economy because it's like I was trying my I was trying my hardest to be a good yeah. student and prioritize education. But at the end of the day, like I said in my keynote, I still had to go back home every day and deal with all the stuff that was happening yeah. in the neighborhood. And it was right. one of those things where my counselor, who loved me so much, Miss Hunnicky, uh, she went and battled for me, man. Her, uh, Dr. Natali, and a few of my other teachers, they went, they got, uh, they talked to the state because the state, their plan was, okay, Lynn, he just got kicked out of school. Uh, he was going to, I think they, they sent him to Fern Ridge. You know, Darion, he's getting into fights, mm-hmm. you know, diving deeper into this gang stuff. He's kind of, you know, doing some stuff at school that's not, you know, appropriate. And uh, the state told Ms. Hunnicky, we're putting them both in this military boot camp, you know, four, four uh, hours away in Torquio, Missouri. It was like a, a, mm. a boot camp, a, a military boot camp. And Ms. Hunnicky was like, no. You're not taking him. So they went to court on my behalf and they fought their butts off to get custody of me. My brother ended up going to that military boot camp. Miss Hunnicky got custody of me and they put me in that boy's home in Creve Corps, which was five minutes from Brooklyn Central Middle School. I was in that boy's home for a year. And I remember the first day when I got there, I was so pissed. I was so mad at everybody. I hated the world. I didn't want to be there. I was trying to be tough. I was trying to be this gang member. I was trying to be inappropriate. I was trying to do anything to get kicked out. But I didn't realize that no matter what I did, I wasn't going anywhere. I was going to stay right. there. But fortunately for me, I had a really good uh, role model. His name was Ken. Uh, it's actually somebody at your school said they might even know him. They were trying to figure out if they knew him or not. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was my counselor, big black dude, my first positive black male role model, like true positive mm-hmm. male role model who was actually leading me in the right direction, who taught me about, you know, empathy, compassion, respect, yeah. you know, responsibility, yeah. accountability. Um, he taught me how to lift weights, you know, harness and anger, yeah. putting it into something else and practicing right. to play sports. He taught me how to talk to girls. We used to go on field trips <laughs> within the boys' home. And, you know, he used to take us to the movies. And he, and he I mean, he wasn't supposed to do this. But he, if, if there were girls, there, he was like, y'all go do y'all thing. And I'll never forget that one of my friends liked the girl. And I embarrassed him on purpose in front of the girl to look cool. And he, you know, put me hip on game. Like, bro, you don't do that to your friends. You don't end up, you know, make them look dumb when y'all both trying to, you know, get girls. But he just taught me so much just about being a young man. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I learned yeah. so much in that boys' home because they just provided me with this stable uh, structure this place where I had every resource, you know, at my fingertips to help me grow into a young man. And I started playing football in eighth grade. And that's when I met my coach and uh, his son was going to my school. And at the time we knew Matt as like, I mean, I hate to say it now, but we knew him as like the crazy kid. Cause he, you know, he used to cut himself. He used mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, be in the drugs and stuff like that, but he was a really good football player. And me and him got really close because I was going through my thing, being in the boys home he was sure. kind of going through his things just, you know, because he was just dealing with a lot of stuff with depression and playing football with his dad being the coach. A lot of times because the boys home was late picking me up, 
that I would stay late with them and I would be sitting mm-hmm. in the car talking to them. And then we got really, really close. And it was, they felt bad for me because there was a lot of times when a football team would go and do, do these outings after the game. Yeah. But because I was in a boys' home, I couldn't go. So my coach, he went to the state and said, Hey, you know, since, you know, I'm his coach, is there any way we can get some kind of guardianship where he can come do stuff with us after the games? And they say yes. And then that turned into, can we get this little extended guardianship where he can come hang out with us after school and we'll take him back to the right. boys' home? And then that turned into me staying over at our house on the weekends. And then that turned into me, you know, staying through through the week sometimes. And then it, it got to a point where I wasn't even going there for Matt anymore, who was the same age as me. I was like, right. I just like being here because this is the first time I've, I've had, like, a real family. I feel like right. I got, like, a, a dad and a mom. I got a sister. I got a brother. We got a dog. We got the fence. The we got the basketball hoop. We got right. unlimited snacks. You know what I mean? Right, out here, snacks, right. You hear me, man. The Doritos on call. <laughs> My mom used to have the house chips for me. I used to be in them so much. But, uh, <laughs> but I'll never forget uh, when I was sitting there one day and um, I was sitting on the couch and they all came out and they stood in front of me. And low key, you know, coming from where I came from, I'm like, oh man, these people, they're trying to throw it down. I don't know what's going on. So I was kind of scared for a second, but I was going to defend myself. And then they had this smirk on their face, and my dad was like, do you like coming over here? Well, he wasn't my dad at the time, but my, I used to call him coach. He was like, do you like being here? I'm like, yeah, I love being here. He was like, did you ever want to move here? And I was like, heck yeah, I would love to move here. Yeah. He was like, well, we would love to adopt you. And they did, mm-hmm. man. And so so legally, they did not adopt me. And the reason we just st- we stay with the fostering, even though I tell people they adopt me, is because financially as far as like scholarships and yeah. getting uh resources from the state we knew like those would benefit me so we didn't go to adoption route because we know we would still get those different things from the state and it would help me in college as well but sure. there was my mom there was my dad there was my sister there was my brother and it's so sad because you know my sister and my brother they had lived with them their entire lives Mm-hmm. And they had every resource, everything. My mom owned two country clubs. My dad, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, one of the top people in his uh, county firm. I mean, they had any and everything they could have ever wanted. But because of the way that they, their mindsets, they never took advantage of that. They never took advantage of it. They, I mean, I would almost say that my mom enabled them. You know what I mean? But me mm-hmm. coming from where I came from, oh, I was this like, was like a, take okay. uh-huh. bro. And it was like, Full advantage. yes. And, and I almost felt bad because I think there was a part of Matt. So they were Brazilian. They were adopted from Brazil. My, my parents, my adopted parents couldn't have kids, unfortunately. They weren't gotcha. the ability to have kids. So they adopted both of them from Brazil. And I think gotcha. both of them were dealing with how to fit in. And what yes. I mean by that was on the outside, they looked black or mixed. But really, they were sure. Brazilian. Uh-huh. And then going to school in Parkway, even though they both were, I mean, brilliant i mean so smart so smart they didn't really know who they what crowd they truly fit you know fit in with yeah the white kids the black kids and then when i moved in you know this so even though i was going through all this stuff like i was still one of the, the athletes one of the cool kids i was just being yeah. me, you know what i mean yeah and yeah, they, yeah. they really were drawn to that so matt started acting black lauren started acting black but it, like extra black yeah you know what i mean yeah. like you know, I got hair like I thought away, Capone. I got waves. Matt got Brazilian hair. And you can do you can put kids, whatever you are. You ain't getting no waves, bro. Why you putting no waves out? You know, he's trying to be in a, like he's trying to be in right, a, right. He's just doing all this stuff. I'm like, bro, that's not where it's at. I'm like, I yeah. wasn't doing this stuff to be cool. You were doing it to survive. 
I had to right. do this. I had to do it to survive. So me and him used to bump heads because I'm like, bro, that's not cool what you're doing. That's like, that's dumb. But I'm like, you need to take advantage of this stuff that your mom trying to provide for us, your dad trying to provide for us. And they didn't want to do that. And then they used to get jealous of me because they felt like their mom and dad were being showing me favoritism. But it wasn't that. It was just that I was doing what I needed to do to progress in my life. And unfortunately, they were not. You know what I mean? Even though they had Mm -hmm. all the wisdom, all the capability and all the resources to do that. And I think mm-hmm. that those, that's, I mean, we all had different mindsets. I had the mindset sure. that I did not want to go backwards. I didn't want to go back towards where I came from. And that's the right. direction they were going. I was trying to go mm-hmm. up and they were going down. And uh-huh. we, you know, kind of went our separate ways. We had different mindsets. We had different ways of thinking and living. And unfortunately, you know, I never, we never had a, a tight relationship at the high school because Matt, I mean, he, he did he graduate? I think he ended up going to Fernwood because he got kicked out of, um, he got kicked out of um, Parkway Central, and uh, unfortunately, he died. Uh, I want to say six or seven years ago from a drug overdose. Oh, that's uh, too bad. My sister, she ended up. They ended up moving to Florida my senior year in high school, and my dad stayed for my freshman year in college so he can watch me play college football at Milliken University. But then gotcha. my parents ended up. My mom, the houses they bought in Florida, they ended up moving back because my sister got into some trouble in Florida. So we had the house mm-hmm. in Florida, and we had the house in Baltimore. They ended up moving back, and she was trying to figure out her life and do different things. And you know, it's just one of those unfortunate things where they never really seen the true value in the stuff that they were being provided. And I don't think my parents, unfortunately, because they kind of knew the stuff that they were dealing with, they always kind of enabled them, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just yeah. one of those unfortunate things. But like I said, I mean, I took full advantage of it, you know, and I should have. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I shouldn't feel bad for but you know, it's so it. interesting, though, because you're like, we are all... Um, I guess probably the best way to put it, because I think about my daughter who is, and so we are all sort of products of the environments we come from, and so it yes. does it does skew the world in one way, shape, or another, right? Yes. So you, the world is the world, but then where we come from helps us gain perspective of what yes. it is. Okay. Yeah. So, so it. In, in that regard, it's like I came from, you know, this really, really tough environment. And now I've been very fortunate and I'm blessed to be here with these two people. They're going to take me, right? They don't have to do this. They're yes. take me. I'm going to be on my P's and Q's. I'm going to do everything they ask me to do. I'm going to take now I got I didn't, you know, maybe you didn't have a home before. But now the, these parents, my parents, now they have two homes. And, and you know, and so if you kind of grow up, in that situation sometimes you don't see all of the advantages yep. that are around you right and all all of the sort of like opportunities that are there because it's is is become as routine as breathing it's yes. rare to think about breathing but the minute you don't have it you appreciate it you're underwater yes. and can't breathe and you come up you're like oh thank you so much it's it's kind of like that you had a chance to breathe um, when before you didn't and you recognize what breathing felt like. Right? So that's, it's, it's so funny you said that because as a father now, it oh, scares yeah. me because I'm like, uh-huh. my son has 
any and everything. I mean, even the other day, he was like, Daddy, you know, I love you because you get me everything that I want. And I love mom <laughs> because she gets me everything that I need. And it's, and I never even thought about it. Like he is, he's five years old. He's so smart. He was like, you give me everything I want. Mommy gets me everything I need. And that is so true. But growing up the way that I did, I didn't get anything. And it's right. like, there's a part of me that lives through him. I'm like, I want to sure. give him get him and give him everything that I never had. But it's like, I also want him to recognize and understand that this can be taken in a second, in a moment's right. notice. You know what I mean? You got to appreciate these things. So, you know, these five years has been a struggle with me trying to find a happy balance between trying my best to provide the best life I can for him, but in a way where he appreciates it and he understands the hard work that I and my wife are putting in Absolutely. So he can have all of these things because 100%. he doesn't know anything but what he knows. That's and, correct. And then it's I feel bad for him sometimes because I get frustrated with him because I'm like, you don't appreciate this, but he don't know anything else because he'll right. break something and then here I am, this bad it again. Yeah. And I keep yep. saying I'm not gonna do it, and I keep doing it. <laughs> of course you do it, man. Of course you do it. Of course. Right. Oh, so wow. that was our first part of the uh, interview with, with yeah. Darion. Um, fascinating. Yeah, it's great stuff. It really is. Yeah, fascinating. Um, enjoy the energy. Enjoy the. I enjoyed the the vibe. I mean, I mean, it would be like, you know, being on the phone with my twin brother and just <laughs> having a conversation and just kind of going through life and just asking questions. His focus on the conversation was so in depth too, because I, I don't know if you could hear in the background. It was a day off for his yes. district, so he's got yes. his kid. And I think two of the neighbor yes. kids in the background yes. also like playing and having a good time, <laughs> and he's just a hundred percent focused. You, and it, you you are a hundred percent correct. Like I'm watching the background, like seeing kids <laughs> swinging past through there, playing with toys, so and his just he's yes. just looking at the. He camera was locked in, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Was great. That. It was great. It was great. I hope you enjoyed part one of our interview with Darian Cockrell, our 2021 Missouri Teacher of the Year. Um, and hopefully you'll enjoy part two as well. Take care. Be See well. ya. See ya.